This week on The Xander Effect, fashion designer Jonathan Mark Stein talks about his experiences in the fashion world and the award that he won in Dubai. So you're, I mean, as far as your family background is concerned, you... Also, actor Lincoln Bevers comes in to talk about his experiences filming Zombie Tidal Wave starring Ian Ziering and also gets a little personal. Plus, comedian Ormash comes in and she talks about her future plans along with an awesome little show she has in development. All this plus this week in entertainment, sports, and video games starts right now. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Xander Effect. I'm your host, Xander Dames. And here's a little bit of news in case you haven't heard it. In entertainment news, Victoria's Secret's annual fashion show has been officially canceled uh, this year. And it's it's for many reasons. The CEO and the chairman, uh, Les Wexner of the L Brands, who, the L Brands who own uh, Victoria's Secret, basically said that they decided to uh, decided to rethink the traditional Victoria's Secret fashion show. Going forward, we don't believe network television is the right fit. Now, what does that mean exactly? Nobody really knows. I mean, Victoria's Secret's fashion show has been going on for a long time, for a few years now, and for Les to go ahead and change it up, he might see the platform of television also changing. There's a lot of uh, streaming sites that are going on all over the place. It's possible he's seen the change in the air as many other networks are also seeing the change in the air. And who knows, we might actually end up you know, finding ourselves seeing a Victoria's Secret streaming network in the near future, you never know. Nowadays, it seems like that's where the money is and that's where a lot of these big corporations who have a very large following tend to go to. Um, not to mention the fact of the matter that obviously we know the Victoria's Secret is a lingerie uh, you know, brand, basically you know, show, showcasing lingerie, women's underwear, things like that. So it's a very risque type of, uh, type of um, brand that they have, therefore, they may look at it that way as well that hey we could easily do this on a streaming network and show a little show a little more show a few other of our products are a little bit more risque that might have been censored by the normal networks so here's our our opportunity to uh to kind of move forward and try to see if maybe we could go ahead and do something a little bit more risque who knows where their thought process is, but the bottom line is that the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show has been officially canceled for this year. 
We'll see when they decide to restart it. Looks like they might do something different in 2020. Um, but, you know, the year's almost over anyway, so that's it for that. In more entertainment and fashion news, I had the opportunity to interview uh, fashion designer Jonathan Mark Stein. Uh, and he talks about his experiences in the fashion world and his recent award in Dubai. So I'm being joined today on the Xander Effect by uh, designer Jonathan Mark Stein. Jonathan, how are you doing today? Good. How about yourself? Well, it's finally starting to look a little bit like Christmas now. You know, we finally are starting to see the seasons come together. So I'm actually happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> so Jonathan, um, so I, I understand that you just got you just got in from Dubai like not too long ago. You received an award out there. Yeah, so uh, it was my first international show at Arab Fashion Week in Dubai, and I received the Golden Forever Rose, which is a real rose that lasts 300 years, and I won wow. Best Designer. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So how long have you been uh, doing uh, fashion? How long have you been in this design world? Uh, just about two years now. Two years. So how did you get started in it? Uh, so while I was getting my degree for mechanical engineering while I was in college, I discovered fashion, so I started while I was in college and continued until now. So, wait, wait a minute, so you were, <laughs> that's kind of a different, that's kind of a switch from one into the other. How did you, like, suddenly go from mechanical engineering to fashion? I mean, those are two very, very different worlds. Yeah, so I was actually in mechanical engineering, which is the design side, and I was always interested in design, whether it was architecture or designing products or anything. And uh, I found a YouTube video of a runway show, and I was like, wow, I love this. So I started sewing myself, I taught myself, and here I am now. Wow. So self-made, self-taught man. Yeah. Well, there, that's, that's awesome, man. So um, you've been doing this for a while now, and... You know, how, how has the experience been for you so far as far as, you know, going into the fashion industry, fashion world? Has it been difficult for you to, like, enter into that world? Uh, I mean, with starting any brand, it's hard to get your name out there, everything. But, I mean, I've almost dressed my 100th celebrity, so it's going extremely well. Wow. So what kind of celebrities have you been dressing? I mean, are you allowed to say or... Yeah, so I've worked with Laura Marana, who's a huge Disney star. I've worked with Gretchen Rossi, who's a reality TV. I've worked with the iconic music uh, trio En Vogue, who's, wow. uh, they performed at the Billboard Awards in my outfits, and yeah, just a bunch of other people, whether it's actresses, singers, musicians, any kind of, every kind of person, really. Well, so, I mean, how did you, like, get involved in the entertainment? I mean, you went from fashion and you got there, but, I mean, like, how did you, like, get your foot in the door to start actually dressing all these celebrities? How did this happen? Uh, so, well, after my first show, it was, like, a no-name small show. I received so much good press that I was invited to show at New York Fashion Week. And then, all of a sudden, it started building up and everybody wanted to work with me and, like, just networking and meeting people at parties and now i've built all these connections and now everybody wants to work with me nice so you're i mean as far as your family background is concerned you come from a family of people that are in seamstressing and you know fashion and all that stuff yeah. i mean how is that like how how was that like i mean was that it seems like it's all it was in your genes anyway to go ahead and go on this path 
Yeah, so my uh, great-grandmother, she was one of the designers at Bergdorf and Goodman, which is uh, a huge, like, uh, it's like a sax kind of thing out in New York City and here and everywhere. And, like, it was back before they started carrying other designers where they had their own in-house brand. And, I mean, it was past my generation. I didn't get anybody to teach me, but my grandmother taught me, like, the basics, like hand sewing and everything else I had to teach myself. Wow. Well, that's good that you have that you have that family background. They were able to go. You, yeah. you were able to integrate it so easily. So basically, just mechanical engineering was already in your in your blood and your system, ready to go. You know, to go ahead and start designing things. Would you? Are you thinking maybe um, to going back to maybe architecture or something like that, or is fashion just everything for you from this point on? Fashion's everything now. I've left that all behind me. I haven't even thought about it. Wow. So yeah. you're starting your own brand. What's your brand like? Uh, well, I design very modern clothing, like edgy, lots of leather, lots of hardware. I try to take like the traditional clothing, like gowns with long chiffon, and I try to make it more modern for like the everyday woman, the more modern woman and man as well. And do you have a boutique uh, located somewhere? I mean, are you, are you in Los Angeles or are you in New York or are you exactly? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles. I have a celebrity showroom out here where all the celebrities and their stylists come in. It's strictly for pulling and placements and like music videos, that kind of thing. And then uh, I just opened up my first uh, section in a department store in Dubai uh, back in October. Wow. So you're like everywhere. You're trying to expand every single place, every, every which way of this entire world at this point in the fashion yeah. industry. Trying. <laughs> Nice, nice. So what, what's going on right now at present? What are you doing right now uh, as far as, because I know Fashion Week uh, happened already a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, back in October. Back in October. Yeah, yeah, back in October. Uh, so are you getting ready for, uh, for maybe London Fashion Week? I know that's coming up. And then, of course, LA Fashion Week returns in spring. Mm -hmm. So right now I started working on like out of collection pieces and uh, I might have like a small intimate show that I'll have in LA, just something small. But right now, I uh, Dubai Fashion Week wants me back, so they're gonna fly me out, and I'll do that again in March. So right now, I'm working on my new collection. Awesome. I'm I'm wondering what that's gonna look like. So you're gonna have to like maybe send me some shots of that, so I could go ahead and feature it a little bit on the okay. show. Um, but other than that, like, what are future plans here for you right now? Like, what, what's what's going on in and Jonathan Mark Stein's world, you know, of fashion, where are we going to see you next? Um, so I'm actually working with some really cool people right now. I can't say what, but I will be dressing some big people soon. And I also am working on a collaboration with one of my uh, very influential friends and just working on my new collection. So, I mean, taking, creating a new collection takes four to five months. So I'll be working on that, but it's going to be my biggest one yet. I'm going to have accessories, and hats, and gloves, and everything you can think of. What goes into creating? I'm, I've always been curious about that because I always see how talented a lot of designers, um, the, the, they are incredibly talented. All of, all of the new designers are incredibly talented, very creative, very unique. What goes into creating a line? Like, what goes into that? Like, what is it something that maybe you know, it's in your imagination and then just starts popping up out of nowhere. I mean, how, what's the process of that? Uh, so it depends like how I'm feeling, how creative I'm feeling, but 
usually it starts with me like creating a mood board like what kind of colors do i want what kind of textures what do i envision that the whole collection is going to look like so i come up with a theme and i build the whole collection around that so and then from there i start sketching out then i fabric source then i make some samples and then i just chug and keep making and making until i'm done Nice. And what about like, what, what's, what's been your favorite theme so far that you've done throughout your entire uh, fashion career? Um, well, I love everything I do. I mean, but as a designer, I evolve and I grow. So my latest collection that I just showed in Dubai was definitely my favorite. Uh, the theme was old Hollywood with a modern touch. So like lots of glitter, lots of shiny stuff, lots of leather. Um, I'm extremely well known for my leather and I create like cool dresses and tops and everything in between. What kind of accessories do you got? Do you, you I mean, do you, you, you say you create accessories as well. Like what kind of accessories go with uh, the outfits that you make? Uh, so I sometimes make hats. I make belts. I make gloves. Uh, sometimes I even like make my own jewelry for shows. Like it all depends like how I'm feeling and what I think would go with the collection. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, like I said, you know, I'm looking forward to that, to seeing what kind of, I'm curious because I've been to a lot of, uh, I've been to a few fashion shows for LA Fashion Week mm -hmm. and I've seen a lot of very interesting, uh, very unique styles, you know, in, in the shows. I, I, I enjoy the shows. They're really cool to watch, you know? Um, so hopefully maybe I could go ahead and uh, check out one of your shows because I'd love to go ahead sure. and see what your collection's like as well. Um, so, Aside from, from dressing celebrities, do you also do like, do you also dress like for movies? Like do you do, you do like, a, not just, I'm sure that you do premieres, I'm assuming, mm -hmm, um, yeah. but you all like, like what about for movies? Like for, uh, for uh, like if someone's filming a movie, do you dress the, do you do the costume design for the movies, things like that? Uh, I mean, I've had like stuff where like on the news or if they're promoting something like actually on TV, but for like that kind of stuff, I haven't really gotten into that because costume design is an incredibly long process. And when you're working on a collection, you don't always have the time to do anything else except eat, breathe, and sleep that collection. So, I mean, if somebody asked me, I would consider doing it. But right now I'm focusing on my runway stuff and my celebrity placements. So once I like go to a whole team of people and employees, maybe I'll get into that kind of thing. Well, you, it seems like you're growing enough that that's going to be happening very soon in the near future. You're going to be like, I mean, you're in, you're obviously in a high demand. You received a huge award in Dubai. Your name is becoming really big. I mean, what about London Fashion Week? Is that, is that coming up as well in, in any time in your future? Have you done London Fashion Week as well? I haven't done London. I haven't done Paris. I mean, I would love to do it, but those kind of shows are incredibly expensive. And so right now I'm working with what I have and all my connections. And, you know, as soon as I build up the fame and the clout, I'll hopefully be doing the big ones, London, Milan, and Paris. Awesome. Well, you know what? I hope the best for you. And I hope that you, uh, that you continue to do what you do. I look forward to having you again on the show very soon. Maybe I could go ahead and get some footage of one of your shows and feature it on the show. Thank you very much, uh, Jonathan. Appreciate your time, man. And I uh, hope to talk to you very soon. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Jonathan, for that interview. I appreciate you coming on the Xander Effect. In other entertainment news, Michael Jackson biopic is in the works. And the producer 
is Graham King, the same producer of Bohemian Rhapsody, is is going to be uh, working on this project. Now, I don't know if any of you have seen Bohemian Rhapsody. I saw, I've seen it more than once. It's an absolute amazing movie showcasing a lot of Queen's, if not all of Queen's music. And it was just an amazing, amazing movie. The story, the tragedies, the triumphs, tribulations, everything the Queen went through throughout their entire career almost. Granted, there's a lot of there's a lot of back and forth in them saying in a lot of uh, critics saying that there was a lot of inaccuracies with the movie. But at the end, it was still an amazing movie that was nominated and and uh, and won Academy Awards in different categories. Uh, mainly, mainly uh, the the you know the the main actor uh, he won an Academy Award for Best Actor in that movie. So now the producers of Bohemian Rhapsody, the producer I should say, of Bohemian Rhapsody, Graham King, is going to start working on the Michael Jackson biopic, which is going to showcase Michael Jackson's life and also his music. But they've, they've, done, they've done movies like these for Michael Jackson before, where they've done the Jackson 5 biopics, and uh, pretty much they, they went through that. They also did documentaries. Obviously, we've seen uh, Leaving Neverland. Well, I haven't seen it, but many people have seen Leaving Neverland, which left a big controversial question mark on who Michael Jackson uh, was in this whole situation in, in his life, and it, w- and it didn't show him in a very good light. Um, this movie will actually, from, from uh, rumors are circulating, it will show some of those issues, uh, you know, being brought up in the movie. So, it, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where exactly they're going to go with this. They have the permission from the Jackson estate to do the biopic. I'm glad that they're doing it because it'll show... It'll show his side of the of the story, uh, you know, and and it'll it'll pretty much allow us to see exactly, you know, who Michael Jackson was, his life, per, both personal and in the spotlight. His music, more than anything, is going to be amazing. Like I, you know, I loved his music. I loved his choreography. Michael Jackson had an amazing vision uh, for for choreography and for and and just an, a great imagination that's the reason why he, he named his estate Neverland because he was a kid that never wanted to grow up um you know just like Peter Pan so it'll be interesting to see especially since if it's the producer for Bohemian Rhapsody you know that this movie is going to do Michael Jackson justice so Looking forward to that one. Um, there is no set date. They just came on as producers, so the writing's probably going to take a year, maybe another year of filming. So we're looking maybe, I don't know, maybe 2022, this movie might come out. Looking forward to it either way. In other entertainment news, I had another opportunity to interview uh, a recent uh, star of the TV movie uh, on the sci-fi channel called Zombie Tidal Wave, starring Ian Ziering. Uh, one of the stars of that show, Lincoln Bevers, uh, gave us a little behind-the-scenes you know, look at to what he experienced on set and also a little look into his own private life. Check it out. So I have with me on the Xander Effect, Lincoln Bevers. How you doing, man? Pretty good. Glad awesome. to get my last name right as well. Hey, you know, I was actually gonna gonna really muck it up, so I took a chance with that. You know, and I was yeah, like, yeah, ah. you did good. You did good. <laughs> well, Lincoln, um, you're a, not 
not from LA. I know you're you're in LA, but you're not from LA. You're from northern uh, uh, from northern states up in Washington, right? No, but I live in a town in North Idaho that's about 20 minutes from the Washington border. But I was close, so I got points for being close. Exactly, yeah. And you came out, like you started modeling, and now you're getting big here, man. I mean, you're you're just in a movie called uh, Zombie Tidal Wave uh, starring starring Ian Ziering. He's from uh, Beverly Hills 90210, and now the new... Uh, BH90210, which is freaking hilarious, by the way. I've been watching the show. All all the Sharknados. Yeah, and all the Sharknados. And he was also, he's been in a couple of other uh, movies as well here and there. He's directed. um, So, but, you know, like in talking about him, we're looking at you here. Man, it's everybody for themselves. She saved your ass. What would you expect me to do, man, huh? What, to bite me? No way. Here, you were you spent like they shot this in Thailand, right? Right. How was that experience? I mean, because the weather and the elements and all kinds of different experiences. How was it shooting in Thailand for for this movie? Um. Well, th- the I kind of did a uh, week and a half vacation before the we started shooting the film, which was kind of a mistake because. We go from vacay mode to work mode, but my whole idea of that was that I would um, not be able to take a vacation if I wanted to do any of the actual Thai experience at the end of the movie because we'd wrap and then we'd run right into Christmas and of course you had to come home for that. But um, it was amazing. Uh, you know, we had a mostly Thai crew that was um, hired for the sci-fi mo- sci-fi movie and. Um, Probably some of the most wonderful people that you'll ever meet, especially to have on a crew. I mean, they're so go with the flow. They're hard workers. Um, the experience itself, just, you know, being in Thailand and getting to see all the different spots where we filmed uh, was amazing. But, um, you know, I'm from Idaho and uh, my mom was born a Norwegian citizen. So I, I spent um, several different times in my life living in Norway, you know, so I've got this Norwegian blood and- But still, this was a culture shock, no doubt. It, it was, but, but my, my uh, big point there was that I was dying of the heat because I was constantly, <laughs> I mean, it was like, it was this time last year actually, and it would be like, you know, Fahrenheit speaking, like a hundred degrees and 110% humidity. And it was just like, you were just always drenched. So I had to have a, uh, um, uh, this Thai girl run around on set and dab my face constantly because I was just so yeah because uh, because I because it's on the other side of the equator so when it's winter here it's summer down there and it's right. humid like crazy yeah. humid down there yeah. That's <laughs> right awesome. exactly yeah so how was how was like I gotta ask because uh, you know I love I love food and everything how was the food down there. <laughs> I, Thai food is my favorite food. Uh, and you know, strangely enough, when I travel, sometimes I'm worried because, uh, this December I will have been a vegan for eight years, wow. but Thai food is so easily adaptable to, you know, you just put tofu instead of the chicken and whatnot. I love pad Thai and, um, I actually didn't struggle at all. Nice. <laughs> I, lived in Russia. I lived in Russia for six months once. Um, and that was when I still ate meat and cheese and I struggled then. So going to Thailand was a, was a, uh, uh, it was actually really easy for me to find food in Thailand, so. so what? The very act of the Magellanic Galaxy nearing us will cause chaos. Entire planetary systems will be flung out into space. Suns, 
will extinguish instantly while others explode. Space yeah. time. You started in modeling. How did you get involved in modeling to begin with? You know, I actually really didn't um, get started in modeling. I, I got started with acting. I um, Basically what happened was ever since I was a kid, being a actor is exactly what I always wanted to do. And um, about, let's see, seven years ago, I was talking it over with someone that I really trusted and valued their opinion. And they're like, hey, life's short. You know, why don't you just go for it? And um, and I figured, you know what, I, I think I'm going to go for it. And if I swing and I miss, then at least I can say I swung. Because if I didn't swing at all, I didn't want it to be 10 years later and then to look back with tremendous regret. Excuse me, Vince. You know that thing where you breathe into your hand and then you try to smell your breath? Does that actually work? Because uh, I do it and I don't smell anything. I've never tried it. I don't buy that. Love at first sight. And, um, so I called an agency in Spokane, Washington, and the next day I went to meet with her, and then the very next day after that, she sent me to my first audition. I didn't get it, but it just you know started off like that. And um, two years later, so that was in 2012, so in 2015, I booked... Um, these Toyota commercials that were semi-national. With a Toyota 4x4, you won't ever be the guy who doesn't make it to work. How's the new Tacoma? It's awesome. Handles great in this weather. Rugged, reliable, and safe means you'll always make that important. Um, and they were kind of funny. It was me and this other guy. And the next year, Toyota brought us back for another round with me and this guy. That was kind of my first, like, really getting, um, at least on a public uh, level. And then, of course, I did, like, you know, a ton of small short films with really talented filmmakers in Spokane, Washington. Um, and uh, it just kind of started rolling like that. It, the, as far as the modeling goes, it was just kind of my agent would submit me for certain things and I would do it. You know, I did a, a same sex campaign uh, about a year ago for us bank and I've done some fashion stuff for uh, a small airline company. <laughs> um, so I've done modeling. Um, for casinos and stuff like that, but it's not really, that's not really how I actually got started with the modeling aspect. It just kind of worked itself in there with the film. It just blended in with, with, with acting and everything else, like, like everything in the entertainment yeah. industry, you say. Yeah. So all this was going on. And then I, uh, I had gotten this really great job with the state of Idaho, um, right in the middle uh, in 2017, right in the middle of like some really tough and heavy trauma in my life that was just uh, breaking me down um, tremendously. And so I, I was really grateful for this job that I had, but I was feeling not very much alive and knowing that deep down inside, you know, that there was still life inside me. I still wanted to be an actor. And I remember um, in August of 2017, I was laying on the floor of my office and I just said to the universe, I was like, I need something to show me that this is my path because I feel so dead right now. And um, I left to go to another office. I worked in two different locations. And on my way to my second location, I got a call from my agent's assistant out of Seattle, Washington. They said, these producers want to Skype with you because they're starting, they're doing this movie um, in three weeks and they haven't 
they've cast everybody but the lead and they want to talk to you and basically uh starting via skype with these producers i ended up landing this movie called forbidden power um it's on amazon prime it's uh it's very very indie <laughs> very interesting uh but learned a lot um got a lot out of that and it was sometime after that my agent up in the northwest um you know she she could submit me for a lot of things but her reach as far as a broader uh you know seeking out opportunities and whatnot really just wasn't yeah it was very limited very li limited she wasn't she didn't have access to the market down here mm -hmm. and really this is where it's at and well that's what that's what everybody always says that you know yeah. in order for you to actually be if, if you want to be an actor you need to be where all the actors are where every where the entertainment industry is which is here in hollywood if you want to be in theater new york fashion new york you know everything else is you know music you know, like is music also in nashville and yeah, yeah. it's you it's want to all be, like you want to be a oil tycoon you got to go to houston you know, exactly I mean, just, exactly you know, yeah exactly you know you caution to the wind to find the source of the albuterol i remember it because it was the day i met jack and jack would be the man that escorted us into an entirely different world the world of pure uncompromised anarchy on, on it was new year's eve 2017-2018 you know um i woke up and i thought okay tomorrow is 2018 and for some reason i just knew i couldn't even explain it i just knew that i was supposed to move to los angeles i just had no idea why um it wasn't a bucket list it wasn't even something that i ever really thought about seriously doing i i had actually come down and visited a few friends in LA earlier that year and thought, you know, LA is a lot of fun, but I will never live here. <laughs> and so, you know, a few months later, I'm, you know, waking up uh, New Year's Eve and uh, I made the decision that I was going to quit my job. And three months later in March, 2018, I was going to move to LA. And so uh, that's kind of, that's kind of like the Reader's Digest condensed version of my story, but that's where I ended up. So, yeah. Nice. So, you're in LA, you uh, got yourself, did you, did you stay with your agent or did you get yourself a new agent once you got here in LA? I was very blessed because a lot of actors, they moved to Los Angeles and um, really struggle to even just get an agent. It can take mm -hmm. a year or two years very just true. to get there. Um, I had, my agent had actually been a friend of my agent up in the northwest and she said hey this guy's gonna move to LA here's some of his work um and she reached out to me herself and said hey I'd love to sign you you know I've seen some of your stuff and um so I was very blessed you know it was just more confirmation that I this was what I was supposed to do because some people really have a hard time getting an agent and in, in that sense I had already have, had my foot in the door so nice and was she and, and of course she got you the 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 part in shark in in this uh uh, zombie, zombie title, title right? yeah uh no that was all me actually it, it's a it's a funny thing um i was supposed to go to norway mm -hmm. on a tuesday of last year and i it for many different reasons it just wasn't making sense for me to go um it was very obvious that the universe was saying don't go to norway not right now this is not the right time and i basically made a huge decision that kind of looked crazy to some people and I just didn't get on the plane. I just, I didn't do that. And um, the very next day I got invited to a birthday party and um, 
the director of the Sharknado movies, who's also the director of, of Zombie Tidal Wave, he was, he was um, present. And um, I went up to him and I, you know, just introduced myself and said, hey, you know, I'm Lincoln Bevers and I think we know some of the same people. And um, I'm talking to him and all of a sudden he says, I think you're my Blaine. And I said, I don't know what that means, but yes, I <laughs> That's why, yeah. We'll so, go with it. Yeah, yeah. So then, you could call me Susie if it makes you happy. I don't care. Hey, it doesn't <laughs> like it. It's just good. It, you just said, you know, basically, I want you to uh, um, come in and read. And I think two or three days after that meeting, maybe it was a, even a little bit longer, um, I went in and I auditioned. I auditioned in front of him and Ian Ziering. It was my first time to meet Ian. And so it was kind of a little bit nerve wracking, you know? Um, but it was also one of those things like, you know, where I woke up and knew on New Year's Eve that I was uh, supposed to move to L.A. I just knew that I was going to get this part. It's just like everything happens the way it's going to happen. And there's nothing you can really do about it except for just say, thank you. <laughs> you know, I'm grateful. You know, Of course, of course. And that's and that's that's a great way. That's a great mentality. That's a great mindset to have, you know, especially in this industry that's very difficult um let's move forward here for a second because i wanted to talk a little bit more of a of a personal nature um i admired um a, a post that you posted on your instagram uh saying that you are you know that you were coming out again as as gay um this is the yeah. second time which kind of confused me a little bit because i'm like when did you come out the first time you know so right, right. um but uh, but I wanted to talk a little bit more about that because you seemed very, like it was a very personal moment that you wanted to share with uh, with everybody that was following you on Instagram. Let, let's talk a little bit about that that uh, that um, that post. Sure. So the reason I did it, well, I'll back up. So um, I had you know been out to family for a number of years, um, but in 2015 you know, I had, I was just kind of trying to grapple with, with, you know, my own personal faith and, and, and who it was that I actually was as, as a man and as a gay man. And I was in a relationship, a long-term relationship, um, with someone I loved very much. And I remember feeling it wasn't fair because I, I never wanted to make the mistake of, of having a singular identity. And I think sometimes um, a lot of people in the gay, um, the LGBTQ community get pigeonholed, um, even without meaning to for themselves, as having, I am this, and that becomes their identity. You know, I am gay, or I am lesbian, or, you know, I am transgender, or, or, or any of those. And um, then they feel like, well, they, in order to be fully free for to allow that attribute of themselves to be fully free that they almost make it become their only identity and um i never really wanted to uh be that person but i realized that i was still kind of hiding and, and by the way when i say be that person there's nothing wrong they're not doing anything wrong they've done nothing wrong it's just something that society unfortunately they felt they've had to be a little more loud about their sexuality because um 
they've been so ostracized or, or, and or shamed um, for so long that it's been a very difficult burden. So finally they're speaking their truth and they're going to be loud about it. And there's, there's a lot of wisdom to being loud about it. You know, you do have to stand up and be real because nobody else is going to be real for you. Um, but my whole idea was, you know, I'd love going to a gay bar, but I also want to be comfortable going to a non-gay bar or, you know, that I have, my sexuality does not define me. I mean, and people get pigeonholed in sexuality all the time. You see this with straight men, you know, they, they suddenly can't talk about anything other than, you know, sex, for example, because it's almost like they've been pigeonholed into, well, I have, this is who I am, but nobody is their sexuality. It's just a really wonderful attribute of who they are. And it, you should be able to live in a space where all your parts exist. And I was, I was getting to this point in 2015 where I just felt like I couldn't no longer uh, have, have a, a semi, you know, acquaintance hit me up and say, hey, you know, my wife and I are having dinner and there's this really cute girl that we'd love for you to meet. And, um, you know, and then I have to make an excuse. And I just thought, God, you know, I'm not being authentic here. And it freaking sucks. <laughs> you know, this is awful. It doesn't feel good. And all is it, all it's really doing is, is encouraging me to hide more. And then I, I had to be really honest with myself that there was still a little bit of shame, even though I'd come out to, you know, my mom and, you know, certain family members and whatnot. And there was a, uh, you know, a lot of friends, it, they were very accepting. I just knew that I needed to make a bigger statement that it's not who I am, but it definitely is a part of who I am. And it's an important part of who I am. And it should be able to exist alongside with all of my other attributes so I wrote this long post about um, being gay, you know, my whole life. Not, it's not something new, maybe news for you guys, but it's just who I am, you know. And um, it was interesting. You know, I, I had 97% um, uh, people come out swinging on my side and just so happy. A few yeah, because I was going to ask if, the, if, the, if that had by any chance – uh, changed anybody's perspective of you had that affected you know everybody's perspective yeah, about the, you the answer is yes um both negatively and positively in fact some people were like i have more respect for you not because you're gay but because you're being honest mm -hmm. and um i actually did have a few people that kind of um i, I think i got in front of it a couple times which you know on facebook you know who cares whatever but i actually had a couple um relatives that were quite religious you know send me long letters about how they're going to be praying for me. And they're so sad that I felt that I had to be that way. And I'm like, well, I don't feel like I have to be that way. I just, I am that way. <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm also white. I'm male. I, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I live in Idaho. Like these are just things, you know, they just are uh, definitely not doing it for anybody. And, and, you know, some people would misunderstand, but like, oh, we see that you're trying so desperately to seek, uh, you know, uh, approval for your sexuality. And I'm like, no, I, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, at this age, you know, I'm well, into my, you know, I was 30 when I, when that happened. And I was like, well, you know, I, I, at this point in my life, it's more about just being honest. Um, I don't really need anybody's approval except for my own. And, um, you know, but that was that. And so, you know, I, I've considered myself, that was my, my coming out moment and, um, it was very freeing and liberating, but the more that I've gotten into this industry that I'm in, I've realized that, you know, Hollywood is a total different beast. And uh, I, I have actually been encouraged um, to just not, no, no one's ever actually encouraged me to not 
be honest about being gay, but just to think about how I present myself. And I think, you know, I mean, I guess there's wisdom in that, no matter how you want to look at it. Like, you know, there, I, I present myself, you know, what's, you know, what's safe to share and what's not. But I also felt like there was this element of me still having to hide, which just was bizarre feeling for me. And I don't know that I ever made a conscious decision because, you know, I've been cast as um, in straight roles, you know, several Mm -hmm. times and I love playing straight roles, you know, and I love being able to tell a story of somebody else that has a different experience than my own. I mean, that's what acting is, you know, that's well in zombie title wave. That's, you know, you were cast in a straight role. Yeah. Yeah. You had a girl, you had a girlfriend, you had a, you know, yeah, and I don't have those things in real life. You know, my character was a total douchebag asshole of the movie. And <laughs> I'm not that, obviously. I'm a nice guy, though. But I had, um, uh, I, I had just decided and had been thinking, actually, for a while, like, you know, I just, it, it's almost like it felt uncomfortable, like I was still in the closet. I mean, in the real world, had I not entered this industry, I think it would just be that's how it is, you know? I mean, and, you know, any casting director or, a reporter or anybody would it take them two seconds to dig into my personal life to find that out so it wasn't like there was this any way that it would remain a secret but the fact that it even felt like it had to again you know be a secret um just kind of nod at me and um a couple weeks ago I, I got the opportunity to go to this event um in hollywood there was two two of the the showrunners on the panel at this event that i went to um i got to speak to them personally um one is steven and i can't think of his last name but he's the creator showrunner of um pose on fx and the creator showrunner um lauren morelli i believe her name is for orange is the new black and um both of them were just the most warm embracing um i i i virtually not at the same time but two different um moments during this event said the same thing to both of these individuals i said first to steven i said hey listen i'm so happy to know that we are living in a day and age where there are roles there's more content out there like i don't ever want to get pigeonholed just to playing a gay character but i also want the opportunity to do that sometime because I know how that man would actually feel in many situations, you know, even if that character's life is totally different than mine, I would know and understand that. And it would just be such an honor to tell that story, you know? And I think there's been a lot of great straight male actors who have done a very good job playing certain roles in in shows, you know, like uh, call me by your name or, you know, some of the others out there, um, the show sense eight. But I said to them both, thank you that's the main thing i just want to say here thank you for leaning into your higher calling and being bold enough and brave enough to actually want to do this you know because you know you you know just like when you when you talk about like you know race and how the african-american population has been so desperate for so long to see or you know the hispanic population to see characters that look like themselves that actually resemble um not just how they look but something that they can identify with as a human being you know and it's for a long time it hasn't been that way and and to um a different extent it's been the same way with the um lgbtq community also because um there really hasn't been a great representation you know and i love to see stories being told that are just more human and not 
not every story that's you know gay is has to end and some one of the people die in a hate crime or they die from AIDS or it's you know some tragic thing like there's actually like, some stereotypes some stereotype yeah, that, that have been most movies and television shows so um this whole moment you know and we just hugged it out and we talked and they asked questions about uh well Lauren did she asked questions about you know um zombie tidal wave just you know briefly and it was just it was just a really great moment when i met these two i i thought to myself there's no way that me being secretive about something that is so important such a huge attribute of who i am that would be worth denying so i could get a a certain role i mean you could have all the success in the world and i just thought i would rather you know have to shovel ditches the rest of my life than um, lie about something so important just to get ahead. Um, and I, and I, I realized that there's wisdom in understanding what is private. Cause you know, I want to be vulnerable, which means being authentic and real. But I used to think that meant I just had to tell everybody all of my stuff, but that's not what it is. You know, there's, there's, there's a place for certain things and there's a place for not certain things, you know, and it's okay to have a, private life and it's okay to be a very private person in fact I consider myself a very private person but when it comes to certain things that are just absolutely crucial to the human experience you can't get away from sexuality you know sexuality is what drives us I mean we come from sex you know we are sex and and everything uh that we do even though it may not be the number one topic. It's a big part of our, our life and our culture and every culture. I mean, even really some wars were places. started by sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Sexual revolutions so, happened. So 100%. Yeah. Well, I just was like, I, I, I just wanted to do this um, video and just say, Hey guys, you know, I mean, nothing's changed in my personal life as far as like, you know, this isn't me coming out, but it is me coming out again, just because I want to now say as a actor who, uh, you know, hey, my character was trending on on Twitter, so that must mean I've made it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm kidding, by the way, but not about the Twitter thing, but having made it because of that. But I, I just thought <laughs> to myself, I can't, um, I can't just deny this. You know, I don't have to just make it what everything else, make it about everything. But I'm gay, and that's just the way it is. With that being said. Lincoln, thank you so much for being on the Xander Effect. Thank you for having me. Man, I look forward to uh, many more of your projects, you know, coming up. Uh, hopefully, we could do another follow-up. So that for way, sure. we could go ahead yeah, and yeah. You know, check out some more of your projects, some more stuff that you got involved you got in. It. Yeah. You know, and uh, dude, I'd love to have you back on the show again, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you soon. Have a good night. Thanks so much, Lincoln, for being on the Xander Effect. Looking forward to many more projects in the future from you. In other entertainment news, Batman has been cast. All the villains, all the heroes, all the good guys, bad guys, it's been cast now. Obviously, we know Robert Pattinson from all the Twilight series is going to be playing uh, Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Batman, in the movie. Um, The other ones that were announced as well were Paul Dano is going to be playing the Riddler. Uh, Zoe Kravitz will be playing Catwoman. and Jeffrey Wright will be playing Jim Gordon. And they just announced that the, the, the final cast of the Penguin, the person that's going to be playing the Penguin, Colin Farrell, 
will be playing the penguin in uh, in the new Batman movie. Now that's gonna be a, that's gonna be very interesting because you know penguins mostly notably you know he's a fat you know villain. Colin's not really fat. He's he's a very fit you know guy. So it'll be interesting how they put him in makeup how they make him seem. He's already played a villain before. You know, he played a villain, he played uh, Bullseye in the movie Daredevil with Ben Affleck a few years back, which that will be, that will remain in the archives along with the Green Lantern as movies that ended in disaster in the box office. Um, But Colin Farrell uh, seems like, you know, he's a very dynamic actor. He's played both good guy, bad guy. He's, He's played them all. And, uh, you know, he's a good actor. You know, I like a lot of, I like a lot of, uh, his characters in many movies. I've seen him in many movies. And it'll be interesting to see him play the villain, the penguin, in this rendition of Batman. So, I mean, you know, Danny DeVito actually, you know, he's looking forward. He actually, uh, said that, uh, Col- in a, he quoted and he said, Colin's a great actor. He's a good friend of mine. I've known him for many years and I think he's going to do a great job as the penguin. So he's got DeVito's, uh, blessing in doing this movie. And I'm looking forward to seeing how all these actors, how every single one of these actors do their roles. I mean, Zoe Kravitz, she's the daughter of uh, of Lenny Kravitz. Um, you know, she's going to be doing this this uh, this rendition of Catwoman. She's very beautiful, very very sexy. So uh, looking forward to that. Uh, Paul Dano. I mean, the guy looks like the Riddler. I mean, the guy kind of looks, you know, he's got that, you know, psychotic look, I guess you might say. No offense to, to Paul or anything, you know, I don't mean that he's psychotic. It just, he just has that villainous look that, you know, could actually do well for him as the Riddler. Jim Gordon, however, played by Jeffrey Wright, that one's an interesting one. I mean, I just, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. For me, Jim Gordon, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not too keen on Jeffrey Wright playing Jim Gordon, but who knows? I mean, they're, they're doing it. I mean, Robert Pattinson is playing Batman for God's sake. So that's just as bad as it is. Um, in my opinion, you know, but then again, I could be wrong. The movie could actually be a huge hit and, uh, you know, we'll see. You know, because it comes out in theaters next year. It comes out in theaters uh, June 20th. Well, actually, not next year. It comes out in theaters June 25th, 2021. So look out for that one. In more entertainment news, um, I love comedy. I love comedy. Comedy is one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite genres. You know, uh, it's a beautiful thing to be able to laugh and enjoy a movie and you know when the timing's right it's just it's just amazing to watch especially if you're having a really bad day you go see a comedy you laugh and you kind of forget you know about the bad day for a little bit and it's just a great thing to have well i got the opportunity to interview ormash who is known as the wonder woman of comedy and uh she is not only beautiful She's hilarious. I love, you know, I'm watching this stuff. I'm like, my God, this girl's, this, this, this woman's great. You know, this woman's absolutely fantastic. So I had the opportunity to talk to her about how she got into comedy and what she has going on on YouTube. Check it out. So joining me on the Xander Effect today, Ormash, comedian extraordinaire known as the Wonder Woman of Comedy. Oh my God. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's got to be an awesome little nickname, Wonder Woman of Comedy. Is it? Is it because? Is it because uh, the actress that plays Wonder Woman is also Israeli, and you're Israeli? Is that why they're you know saying that? Is it because you're just awesome? Or is yeah. It because, or is it because you're wondering why comedy? Uh, that exactly, exactly. <laughs> I feel like I'm the Wonder Woman because sometimes I just wondered. <laughs> you, just, you just wandered into comedy, so I wandered into comedy. So, and, and in comedy, I wonder a lot of things. Uh. <laughs> I, I I bet, and and I mean, but it was a huge transition because your background is that you were part of the Israeli army. Now, now the Israeli army is known to be like top shelf, one of the best armies in the world, and they are no bullshit. They are all serious all the time, and yet here you come you know, and decide to go into comedy. How was that? Like, okay, first of all, how did you get into the Israeli army to begin with? Well, in Israel, um, everybody has to go to the Israeli army. It's called a mandatory volunteering, if there's even such a thing. There is such a thing in Israel. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. It's like the state of, 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 of Jewish people. You gotta volunteer. <laughs> like, so... <laughs> Nice. Um, everybody goes to the army. So I went to the army. My sisters went to the army. You know, a lot of people, a lot of times people ask me if, um, you know, having, a, you know, soldiers, um, just, you know, in, in everywhere is, uh, is, is aggressive or anything like that. And I tell them no, because everybody goes to the Israeli army. So if you see a soul, it's probably your cousin. You know what I mean? She's like, hey, what's up? Like, so it's, it's like, it's a part of the culture. There's nothing, there's nothing um, intimidating or anything that would make you feel uncomfortable at all. Um, it's almost Israel's like it's, everybody, it's everybody's pretty much family, pretty much. It's everybody's family. You go when you're 18. It's kind of like a college experience, but kind of not. But yeah. So, so, I mean, you're in the Israeli army. I was in the Israeli army. I always hear people that like, you know, People think a lot of times that I'm this uh, badass because I was in the Israeli army. And I am a badass, but not because <laughs> I was in the Israeli army. I was actually, like, I was not the best soldier. Let's just say that from, like, a scale to, of, like, 1 to 10, I was a 420. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice. so nice. I, was, I, was a, I was a slower soldier. I was a little <laughs> bit clumsy. Uh, but it was all funny and, you know, it was never harmful, anything like that. I still did my job, did what I had to do, just a little bit uh, in a chill, chill fashion. Uh, <laughs> you're like, you're like, you're like, the enemy is coming over the wall. Yeah, let them. <laughs> <laughs> more, more for us, bro. <laughs> you know? Like, but yeah, yeah, everybody goes in Israel to our army. I think it's really good for you, especially, you know, um, society and as women at 18 you know israel and with the army kind of taught me that when you when i was 18 when i become a woman i was equal to men in in any any way there's female commanders that um that they're the commander of the man soldiers so in terms of just like um woman equality. power and equality it was it was really really good um just to build um, character and an understanding that how how life should be mm -hmm. and also it's good for the character because when you're 18 let's just say you know you're, you're an asshole you're like the worst version of yourself you're <laughs> yeah. 18 
you think you know everything, yeah. you're getting drunk or whatever, you know, you're doing whatever, all the stuff that like people do when they go to college and stuff like that. And to go to a structure like that where um, you often hear people tell you, no, it's good. It's good. It, it humbles you and it, it really builds character and it, it really uh, made me understand that, you know, the sky's the limit and whatever I, you set your mind to, you, you do. Doesn't matter, it, you know, if your gender, your color, nothing matters. If you set your mind to it, you can do it. Well, that's... I'm from Israel. Uh, never gets too much of a clap. <laughs> uh, I came to America, the land of the Free-ish about three years ago because I wanted to find myself through comedy because the acid didn't work. No, but I mean, it's, it's uh, no, that's really cool though that you got, um, that you, that all this happened, that you took everything, you know, from your experience in the army, you know, in the Israeli army and decided, you know, that, that this is something that you needed in order to make you grow. But the question remains, how did you go from the army, from something so serious, even though you really probably, you know, you were like kind of chill about it, to comedy? Oh my God, well, first of all, I didn't go from the army straight to comedy. I went to the army, I built a whole career in online gaming. Mm -hmm. So I did that for a few years. It was going really well, um, had a, the best time, um, love games, love working in that field, but then, one day I kind of, you know, I kind of thought to myself, so what, wait, what is it, what is it about? Like what, uh, am, so I'm just going to go to the work at nine and come at five and build all the, like, I, I was curious. I mm. wanted to learn more, you know, maybe I was at that age or actually it could be any age where sometimes, you know, life grabs you and, 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 and you have questions. Mm -hmm. You know, you, I've done everything, everything by the book, uh, but I was still unsatisfied. Well, and yeah, I know. <laughs> so um, I decided to go on this quest uh, to find myself and I decided to do it through comedy. And I decided to do it through comedy. And um, yeah, it, I... I, it's actually a wild story. Well, I, the, the truth is, is that um, I fell into depression. I was depressed and mm -hmm. I didn't know how to snap out and I didn't even know what, why it's happening to me because I said, I did everything by the book. I went to college, I'm doing great. I have this amazing boyfriend. Everything is great. I have friends. What is going on? <laughs> and then I got this idea suddenly that if I, I, if I want to snap out of it, I got to change it up. Mm -hmm. I got to like shake my soul somehow. I got to like do something random and new and something I've never done before. Maybe that scares me a little bit. And then I thought, you know what? I always thought stand-up comedy is crazy. <laughs> like it's scary. It might be scary. It's like you have to be so brave to do it, but it looks so fun. I don't know. And in the beginning, there was this, like this, I have Jewish voices in my head. They always tell me <laughs> that whatever I think is a bad idea. It was like, what are you talking about, stand-up comedy? You know, it was like, <laughs> the worst idea I've ever fucking heard. 
So I was like, mom, shut up. I don't know how she's in my head. But after like a week that I marinated with it, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, yeah. but if I'm going to do it, I'm going to give myself a story. I'm going to do it like the movies. I'm going to do it in LA. I'm going to do it in New York. And, and initially I didn't come here to be a stand-up comedian, like develop a career. I wanted to take a class, like a writing class or, or like join some sort of a writing group and then do a couple shows and then come back. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a journey, you know, people go to India for, uh, for self-revelation. Like a little sabbatical. Exactly. So mm-hmm. this one's like two or three months about it. <laughs> but <laughs> I decided that I'm going to do it. And, and I came here and I went to the, I went to the writing class. We started, started writing the material. And in the beginning, everything I wrote was so dark to Americans because <laughs> from Israel. I remember we were at the writing class. And all the, 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 you know, the comics are, are just like, they present what they wrote. And like, isn't it, you know, what's weird about this or what's funny about, you know, coffee or weather or, or things that are from life, you know, yeah. funny relationships, stuff like that. I was like, what's weird about rockets? And <laughs> <laughs> like, um, there aren't really that many rockets around here. And I remember the guy was like, or oh, this and you have to. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't um but then it took me um a while and I'm still kind of like on the journey um that I have I have a lot of jokes I have a lot of material um you know I laugh about myself I laugh about being an immigrant in America but I'm still in the challenge of bringing um a lot of like stuff about Israel um that are a little bit dark I need to make them funny um so I'm still working on that because I wanted I want people to know how amazing Israel is and how much Israelis like to laugh and how much culture there's in Israel. Well, it's and the mother country for all, it is for the a mo- lot of us. It's the mother country <laughs> for all of us, you know, yes. pretty much. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's it. I went, I went, I did the showcase and I remember when they were calling my name for the first time, I was like, hey, everybody put your hands together for or mash. When they said my name for the first time, I was, I, I was like, why did you do this to yourself? I, I felt like I was going to jump <laughs> off a cliff. Why? Why would you do this? Because I got a boyfriend. <laughs> Not only is he a boyfriend, he is also American. Thank you very much. Guys, this is how I knew he was the one, right? First date, he comes to pick me up. Mercedes convertible, top down, right? I get in the car, he looks over to me and goes, hey, do you want a muscle relaxer? <laughs> like, is this an LA thing? Like, is this what people do in LA? Like, in Israel, we don't have muscle relaxers. In Israel, if you want to relax, you just leave. <laughs> oh, man. That's... And yeah. So now I've, I've, you know, I've done the stand-up comedy and I, you know, I, after the one show, I said, you know what, if this one makes you happy, then just go for it. Do it until it does it. And I sign up for a UCLA writers class and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's so fun. I still can't believe it's, it's, you know, it's my life. It's crazy. Well, I mean, I saw uh, one of your uh, YouTube stand-up comedies and I was cracking up. I'm telling you, you know, <laughs> like I was, 
I was just, uh, you know, watching about how you were talking about racism and how you got to be careful. Like sometimes you can, you know, you're not trying to be racist, but you still sound racist anyway. Yeah. And I'm just like watching. I'm like, oh my God, that is freaking true. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. You know, yeah. talking about the Asian, uh, your Asian friend and her big vagina. That oh was Oh my God, my Asian friend. Why is that a true story? <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's what makes it funny is that it's, it's all true story. You know, like a lot of the things, because I've noticed that about a lot of comedians, that when they go up, they do stand up, they're deriving it from what actually happens in the real, in their real life. Gabriel Iglesias, he does that. You know, he does a lot yeah. of stand-up comedy that's, that's basically derived off of his real life experiences. Yeah. So it's, it's awesome to see that. It's awesome to, to listen to comedians do that because I'm like, you know, sometimes it's unbelievable. You're like, no way, this cannot be happening in this person's life. And it actually, it, it does happen. So that's yeah. really cool that you derive it out of your own personal experiences. You know, and that's, in the end of the day, that one makes, I think, audience laugh because they go, oh my God, that happened to me. Or, oh my, I felt like that once. They can um, relate. They, 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 can, they can relate. I don't think I do that joke anymore. I, th that tape was actually from my first show ever that I did, the one I told you about. You were cracking me up. I, I was, and I could hear the audience laughing so much. I was laughing <laughs> along with them. I was like, oh my God, she is freaking funny. Like she's, you know, she's hilarious. But that's, that's, that's really cool that you've gotten to, to do this, you know, what you love. Um, but aside from that, I know that you also had a show called Mashed. I did. How was that? How was that experience? How, how did you, how did, obviously a lot of stand-up comics, they go from stand-up comedy to getting their own like sitcoms, their own shows and stuff like that. How did that all come about? Well, Mashed happened actually in such a, random i was at ucla writers class and uh we had to submit our scripts mm -hmm. um every week like five pages and i you know i submitted every week and the class was laughing and the instructor was laughing and till one day i i submitted a script for a show called mash that you know it was based on me and um i got the script back and it says i'm i want to direct this and it was from the instructor um, later I found out that he directed Sex and the City. Matthew Harrison. Matthew Harrison, yeah, directed mm -hmm. Sex and the City. And I was like, you know what? If, if the director of Sex and the City wanted to direct my, my script, I was so honored, so excited that I was like, you know what? We're going to do it. And that was um, the first show we did, um, in which we, we're, still, we're still doing. We're still writing or releasing the first season. Um, right now, I'm actually working on a show called Needs. Hmm. Um, that I've developed with my baby sister, Ophir, and the director, Natalia Montesito, which uh, is an award-winning uh, director. Me and my baby sisters are living here. And um, the show um, is really uh, trying to take, you know, all kinds of psychological uh, 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 theories and what do people need to be happy and all those stuff and really translates it to millennials and why it's not true. <laughs> and why all those psychological theories and all these like hierarchies of needs and stuff like that don't really apply to our generation, the young generation yeah. and why. And it's so fresh and it's so hilarious. And I'm so excited. Um, to, to, we're working on it right now. We're, 
and you know we're, we're offering in that show you know we, we're doing it through sketch comedy through song through all these like fake commercials which are hilarious and i'm so excited about it it's really fun to also work with my baby sisters like i feel like when i'll be a grandma one day i'm like look what you're you know? <laughs> well that's and cool we'll, that's yeah, yeah yes mom yeah i just put my earphones on i was happy but then i lost it network network tv well we're first we first want to offer it and kind of build our audience um and just offer them the content and build and build and build an audience and and just have people see what we do because we have so much um to, to say and 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 so many funny things that we're shooting that we just kind of want to just offer it to the world that's awesome. and 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 hope people will, will, will get, get our vibe and fall in love and, and follow. Uh, <laughs> That's the important part. Follow. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes I feel like sometimes you, you, when you, when you give people, you don't, you don't ask for anything. And you're just like, Hey, this is what I think. This is why I feel. And you made them laugh and, and it's good enough. You know, if it's good, they'll like it and they'll, they'll, they'll want to see more. I agree. I agree completely. And, you know, with, with that, I mean, you know, you have these projects going on, but aside from these projects, have you done other type of acting? I mean, obviously you're still doing, you're, you're obviously still doing standup comedy. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm doing standup comedy. I'm performing almost uh, sometimes four or five times a week. Um, I have. Is that the I comedy have, store or various yeah, places? Comedy store, the Laugh Factory, um, um, Levity Live, all the Haha Cafe, um, all the flappers. Yeah, all of that. I just make fun of me, and I make fun of Americans, and 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 we just have a. <laughs> we good are night a funny together. bunch. We are a very we funny, are a bunch. funny bunch. <laughs> but obviously, I, I I do that while you know making fun of myself too, and I mean, so well, because if you can't make fun of yourself, you know, I mean, it, there's just no point to it, right? 
exactly you have to do it you have to do it i have to do it and you know what it's so fun i feel like i i I feel like this is this is what i want to do for the rest of my life like i just want to i just want to i just want to fuck around with people on stage all the time and you know i had a show once and uh, this couple they their house was affected from the fires um at the time and and they came to me after the show and they were like or oh, I just want to tell you, you know, they told me what happened. But he said for the, for, the, for the time that you were on stage, that ISIS joke you did murdered us. We were laughing so hard. It really made us forget about everything that was going on for like 10 minutes. And I was like, thank you. And um, that's the point sometimes. Sometimes that's yeah. the point. Sometimes like comedy always, I mean, it's the best, it's the best healing medicine for a lot of things. You know, I mean, it's scientifically they've said that, you know, laughter uh, heals people. Like a lot of laughter t- tends to heal people. That's the reason why, you know, a lot of uh, comedians, a lot of people that are in comedy, they go to the children's hospitals to try to give them a little bit of hope, a little bit of laughter in a very dark time of their lives, you know, and that yeah. just goes for a lot of things. I mean, it, it happens to many people, like you just said, people that have been affected by, you know, fires or by any type of natural disaster getting away from the negative, getting away from the darkness and going somewhere where you could just laugh and just have, forget for a few minutes what's been going on, the crap that you're going through in your life, you know, and having someone like you give them that pleasure for just a few minutes to just laugh and just have fun and be good. That's a huge thing. That's a, that's an amazing gift that you are giving, you know, society, you know, you're, you're providing a great public service to many people that need it. Oh my God. Thank you. I feel like you, you just made my day even better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the truth. So when you got into comedy, comedy, were there, was there any ins- like comedians or inspirations that also affected your decision to get into comedy? Um, or was it just like, I you know what, let I me was, just go ahead and make I'll people laugh. What, it's <laughs> not even when I got into comedy It's actually when I was, when I was a child, um, I remember I was like six, I think it was, or four, six, something like that. I was very small. It was, um, there was a golf war happening where, um, um, the United States, um, and, um, Iraq or mm-hmm. Iran was fighting and yeah, the they were war, sending for the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were sending rockets to Israel too. And I remember I was with my family in the bomb shelter and there was like, there was like a wow. bomb shelter for the entire building. So it's us and the neighbors and the cousins, like everybody's is in this room right now that you can't get out of, which is the hardest part. It's not even the bombs. It's, it's your neighbor, Ari. <laughs> hey, and all the neighbors are fighting. And I remember um, my dad was trying to put the antenna on the TV, you know, how they do it old school, where we're trying to get anything and he did it. And all of a sudden a comedian popped, on the screen and he, I don't remember what he was talking about. He was, you know, he was doing his set on late night set and all of a sudden um, everybody started laughing from like fighting and being upset and being scared and being all, well, they were Israelis. We're never scared, but you know, we were nice. <laughs> from, 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 from just a bunch of people locked up in a bomb shelter and just like, it sucks. Now it's a bunch of people still locked up in the bomb shelter, but now everybody's laughing. That's good. 
That's so good. that was the first time that I saw like the power and magic of comedy that it could literally take any situation as shitty as it is and make it a little better. And I was like, Oh my God, I want to do this. <laughs> that's really cool what are your plans for thanksgiving seeing as it's coming up oh my god i don't know first of all i'm jewish i don't even know if they... <laughs> <laughs> i think i'm gonna do a friendsgiving uh we're a bunch of people here in la that uh that uh, have to stay because they have shows and stuff like that and so we're just gonna cook and 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 have a good time well, I mean, you got your sisters with you, you said. So. I got my sister. What What are you doing with Thanksgiving? Me? Uh, well, I mean, it's just me and my pops. You know, I'm just nice. uh, cooking a turkey for me and him and uh, my little dog and my cat. And that's pretty much it, you know. But yeah, no, yeah. nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing big planned, you know, just uh, doing yeah. that and, and this and the Xander. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so you got shows yeah. coming up. I got shows coming up. I'm working my ass off with Ophir um on uh needs it's uh by me ophir and natalia montecito we are gonna have a christmas special uh all these things a song all these things coming out that's why we have to stay in town because we gotta work um so we're probably gonna do thanksgiving together um Beautiful. i got a show tonight i'm doing the comedy stores every, the comedy store every other monday in the belly room uh brea improv's coming up Awesome. Well, you know what? I look forward to going to one of your shows. I'd love to see you, you know, live. I'd love to see your freaking hilarious just, you know, you know, through this interview alone. I'd, I've And again, I've seen your YouTube stuff. I'd look forward to seeing all your projects that are coming through. I'd love to do a follow up once you got, you know, you know, some of these stuff, some of these uh, projects you have going. I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about that uh, in the next round of our, of our interview. Or Mash, thank you so much thank for you. being on the Xander Effect. Thank and you so much. I love being on the Xander Effect. Love, we love, I love having you here. So I hope to see you very soon. Thank you. Have a great uh, holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> Likewise. Take care. Okay, but I, before I tell you my name, I need to know that you're not from immigration. Thanks, Ormash, for being on the Xander Effect. I hope to check out one of your shows. I would love to go ahead and see one of your shows in person. In sports, this week is week 12 in the NFL, and it's getting hot because there's already four teams on the chopping block that will not be making it to the playoffs, according to, pre to predictions. Obviously, the Cincinnati Bengals are... They're out. They're like zero and ten right now, and they're not. They're not doing too. They're, they're, it doesn't seem like they're getting any better. Um, the Bengals face the Steelers this Sunday. That's already a tough team as it is. Let alone their own. You know, their zero and ten record is about to be zero and eleven. So they're completely out of the playoffs. Another team that it faces the chopping block is the the Buck, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're three and seven. Um, but they face the Falcons, who are also three and seven. However, the Falcons are favored to win uh, the game. But we don't we don't know. I mean, the Falcons they were they were known for ama an amazing defense, like a pretty much a brick wall of defense. So it's going to be interesting for the offense for Tampa Bay's offense to try to penetrate that. Um, but with a three and seven record, it's going to be a tough one to call on that one. So one of those two teams is going to fight. 
to get to the playoffs this year. Another team uh, that is on the chopping block is the New York Giants. That one's a no-brainer. They're 2-8 and eight, uh, in the season, and they face the Bears coming up this Sunday, and the Bears, they have a record of 4-6 and six right now, so the Bears are actually doing their job on the field. Giants, not so much. Giants, it's it's been a tough year for them. Uh, you know, they obviously lost their star quarterback. Well, they didn't lose him. The star quarterback got benched. I mean, Eli got got benched. He just was not doing it. He's not the obviously in the in the talent gene pool. Peyton got the talent. Eli didn't. And I'm sorry, but you know the coaches saw that they benched him. They used back the backup quarterback, and he hasn't been doing too well either. Uh, the Giants need to just look at this season as a loss and reevaluate everything coming this season in uh, 2020. Another team that's set to be kicked out uh, and not make it to the playoffs playoffs is the Washington Redskins. They are one and nine, so they are just above. Uh, the Bengals right now, which is which isn't saying much. They face the Lions, who are three six and one. Now the 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 Lions, they were known as you know not the best team in that division, but the Redskins look like my, they might be able to um, to actually boost their numbers a bit. Seen as they face they face uh, they face them this weekend, and chances are. Redskins with that kind of uh, with with the way their offense and defense has been playing, many interceptions, many mistakes done on the field. It's highly unlikely that the Redskins are going to pull off a win against the Lions this Sunday. In other sports news, Floyd Money Mayweather is talking about coming back from retirement. Come on, man! I mean. It's like it's like Hoist Gracie coming back. He 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 retired undefeated in the UFC in MMA. He comes back to fight Matt Hughes and gets beaten and there's the tarnish on his perfect win-loss record. He has one loss now thanks to that. Floyd don't do it, man. Stay in your lane, stay retired, be happy with your 50 and 0 record. Just be happy with that. You don't want to tarnish it with one loss. Then again, there are many people that want to see you lose. So come back from retirement. Come on. Come back. Come back. <laughs> Who knows what the boxer is thinking about doing in 2020, but he was seen talking with, um, with uh, Dana White uh, uh, in the UFC. And uh, they were talking, and he posted on Instagram that basically, you know, they're it, on, on his Instagram post, he says, At Dana White and I working together again to bring the world another spectacular event in 2020. Hashtag boxing. Hashtag UFC. Hashtag MMA. Hashtag Mayweather promotions. Now, do these hashtags necessarily indicate that maybe Floyd's going to MMA when he comes back from retirement in 2020? Or does it mean it's going to be another boxing versus MMA, you know, disaster because to be honest with you, that fight that he had was a disaster. I mean, you know, Mayweather versus McGregor, I watched it. It was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I mean, McGregor was trying to grapple with the guy. And it's like, dude, this is boxing. It's not grappling. And obviously Mayweather won because it's his genre. So if Dana White and Mayweather are talking about doing something awesome, then Mayweather needs to go to MMA and do that. Because Mayweather well knows, I have a feeling he knows that 
in MMA, it's a completely different sport, and he his chances may not be that good in MMA because it's not boxing, it's not just stand up, it's grappling, it's wrestling, it's it's mixed martial arts, and it's different from just boxing. So. Mayweather, if you're thinking about going in MMA, you better at least take another year or two to train hard because CM Punk tried it. He didn't do too well in it, you know. Granted, his background is just, you know, uh, at, you know, professional wrestling and WWE and stuff like that, which is all, you know, everything in wrestling is all pre-choreographed and everything. It's not, it's, it's not, you know, it's not. I hate to say it, sports entertainment. Uh, it's not real, real, you know. But MMA is, and Brock Lesnar is the only uh, the only person who was able to transition. Why? Because Brock Lesnar was an NCAA champion wrestler. He already he was already wrestling for real in college, so he he already knew how to wrestle. That already came second nature to him. Mayweather, you've been focused on boxing all your life. Stay retired, man. Or if you come back, come back to another boxing match. But don't go into MMA. I'm telling you this right now, man. Because if you do, it's probably not going to end well. But then at the same time, there are many people that want to see if it'll happen. Who knows? We'll find out in 2020. In video game news, Half-Life. One of my favorite games when I was when I was uh, in high school is making a comeback, but it's com- making a comeback in virtual reality. Half-Life 3 to come out in all VR headsets on the market in March of 2020 and is available for, available for pre-order for $59.99. Basically, Half-Life 2 is, or I'm sorry, Half-Life 3 is in between, it, it takes place in between Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2. So it's somewhere in between where Alex Vance and her father uh, basically go up against the Combine. They, they fight against the Combine. And this game, when I was pl- when I first played it, it was amazing because it was on the PC and it, the graphics were great. I mean, obviously, times have changed since then, but the graphics were fantastic and I, you know, I, I enjoyed playing it. Um, never got to play Half-Life 2, though, but in VR, I mean, man, virtual reality, you put the headset on and you're actually in the lab, you're in the caves, you're fighting against these different creatures, aliens, all these types of different mutants and stuff like that. This game would probably be really cool to watch in virtual reality. Then again, it'll probably be kind of crazy. It'll probably make you dizzy from with all the ups and downs, twists and turns that this game has. So VR owners, virtual reality owners, have fun with it. You guys will enjoy it. I guarantee it because I love playing the first one. That's it for the Xander Effect. I'd like to thank all my guests for being on the show today. And I'd like to wish all of you a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is next Thursday. So you guys all enjoy your Thanksgiving with your loved ones. Or if you can't be with your loved ones, have a happy Friendsgiving as well. We'll see you next time. Thanks a lot for watching this episode of the Xander Effect. Now, if you like this video or any of my other videos, here's a couple right here. See? Right here. Right here. Go ahead and click on those to view some of my past videos and make sure to subscribe because it's awesome. See you next time on the Xander Effect. 
Also, don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram.